This is Katie Dunleavy with My Chronic Illness and Me. As someone who struggled with chronic illness for more than 15 years, I've often felt incredibly isolated in my journey. Now, as a coach for others dealing with chronic illness, I've realized I'm not alone in feeling that way. There just aren't a lot of forums out there where people can connect about their experiences with chronic illness. So this is that space, a place where we can educate each other about different illnesses, dispel myths, and most importantly, share our stories. Let's dive in. Hey everyone. Today I'm talking to Shannon. Uh, Shannon works in community engagement in St. Louis, Missouri, and is one of my dear, dear friends. We talk about her chronic migraines that she suffers from, how migraines are so much more than just a bad headache, and about our different experiences finding balance. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Shannon. Hi, Katie. How's it going? Great. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks so much for coming. It's funny, I was just thinking before we have done that you're the first friend that I'm interviewing for this. So I, I really appreciate it. Well, I'm so honored. I'm excited. <laughs> okay, so why don't we start out and you can just share a little bit about yourself. Sure. I live in St. Louis, Missouri, born and raised here. Moved all over the place, including Washington, D.C., where I got to meet the wonderful Katie Dunleavy. Yay. Now we're back in St. Louis and I work in community engagement for a large global corporation. And yeah, anything else I should share that you would want to know? Anything that you think is interesting. (laughs) A wonderful husband named Josh. We've been together since college and we have a dog that is way too smart for us named Gloria. (laughs) The rescue, like pity mix and we love her dearly. So. And she's so, a weirdo, as we were yeah, just talking a total about. Weirdo. Total weirdo. <laughs> but we love her. A weirdo who's afraid of the oven. Correct. She is afraid of the oven. Which, like, fair. Yeah. <laughs> so I did not know, actually, until you emailed me a couple months ago that you deal with chronic migraines. Yeah, this is true. So I probably had my first migraine episode probably in, like, sixth or seventh grade. And what it was then was just a really awful headache where I could not get out of bed for an entire weekend. And I was like really scared. I thought like I was dying, like it was horrible. And my parents like didn't really know what to do. They were just like, stay in bed, like giving me Advil or whatever at the time. And yeah this isn't just a headache. Like even at the time, I kind of knew that it was a bit different. So that was sort of my my first time that was just kind of like this days long episode as like a sixth grader or whatever it was. My God, that must have been so scary. You were like 12 or something. Yeah, it was. And so basically ever since then, I've had just migraine episodes and they're not something that is super predictable. I know other people who deal with migraine, you know, have it on a more sort of like ongoing chronic basis, like for Mm -hmm. months at a time. And thankfully my episodes are shorter than that, but like sometimes the effects can last a few weeks at a time. Wow. And can share more about that. But yeah, I think a lot of people don't kind of think of migraine as one of these chronic illnesses or or issues. And so, yeah, it's it's been a long time now that I've dealt with them. That's so interesting because I think you're right that like everyone I think knows about migraines, right? Mm-hmm. Knows that some people get it. And it, it seems to be like, oh, people who get migraines get them on some kind of regular basis, like whether it's every couple of months or once a mm-hmm. year, whatever, every day. But I think you're right in that it doesn't really get talked about as like a chronic condition, even though it so clearly is. Yeah. And a couple of things that I think are really interesting. So when I've shared with people that I get migraines, people are like, oh yeah, I had this like really bad headache once, or they will share kind of this, this experience of their migraine. And it's usually kind of centered around the headache portion, which I think is what people understand kind of surface level. But I think the real interesting part, and at least for me and my experience, because migraines are so different and it's actually one of the 
most under-researched conditions because it's just like this mix of things kind of of a grab bag for different people and it looks different for different folks but for me it's the headache is not even like the main event like it's part of it it's yeah it's it's painful and it sucks but mine is like really like a full body experience so i experience the aura so my vision changes whoa my hands and my arms get tingly and it's it's almost like a pins and needles feeling or like my hands will go numb and those to me are usually the first signs that like something is is blossoming or blooming so i i am glad that i've had like workplaces where i've felt comfortable like sharing that because there's been times where i'm like my hands are going numb i got to get home before mm-hmm. this like becomes a situation where i can't drive or i don't feel safe driving for example So when I get those symptoms, I usually know that like the headache will come and it does. And I have kind of like those, those traditional migraine symptoms, but I also get like pretty severe body aches. Mm. And then the thing for me, that's really the, I don't want to say debilitating, but really kind of the, the challenge is um, the hangover effect, which a lot of people who get migraines will, will talk about and have. I think technically it's called the postrome. Okay. But it feels like a hangover, like you feel foggy mentally and you can't kind of think straight and your body hurts and you're you just kind of feel ugh, like you you feel crummy. And that can last for I mean it's lasted up to 2 weeks for me before. The interesting thing I found is that people are sympathetic to the headache portion of it, to the headache part of a migraine. But some of these other kind of more nebulous or like less Mm -hmm. known things where it's like you can't put a finger on this is what I'm feeling. This is the symptom. But like the overall sense of ick, there's not as much kind of understanding and sympathy for that or empathy, I should say, not sympathy. Yeah, that's so interesting because actually in a way it reminds me of endo. Yeah. Like, you know, people know that it can mean you have a really painful, bad period, which is true, but they don't often know or think about that actually similarly, it's a whole body disease and like it affects every part of your body. Mm-hmm. So that's fascinating. I, I didn't know that about migraines either. So can we take a step back? Like what is a migraine? How is it different than... I mean, I know you've already said many ways it's different from a headache, but how would you sort of like describe the difference? Yeah. So I am by no means a migraine expert and I know there's kind of different phases. So like I mentioned, I get sort of some coming attraction sort of effects <laughs> or like there's, there's names for all these different phases, but typically it's the severe headache with a sensitivity to light or sometimes people experience like nausea and vomiting and things like that. I've had all kinds where I can't be, I have to be in a dark room, Mm. but like that sensitivity to light is typically, I think, part of migraine. I know there's different types of migraines. So like Mm. there's optical, like there's just different kinds of versions of them where the symptoms are, are slightly different. So like, I think it's one of those conditions, I guess, where like it encapsulates a a broad range Mm -hmm. of experiences. The thing that I found interesting with my migraine experience is that like doctors haven't tended to like really take it super seriously. Yeah. Like, oh, you have a headache once in a while. Oh, that must be so hard. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay, migraines. Yeah, yeah. But like, let's talk about this other thing. I have had some positive experiences with providers and things, but I've never been like diagnosed with like a type of migraine or like a, a specific kind because it's kind of like an overarching umbrella. Yeah, umbrella term. That's a good way to put it. That's so interesting. It's making me think that I need to do uh, you know, what is what yeah. is a migraine? What are migraines episode? Because like I said, I didn't know half of that stuff you just said. I would be really interested to learn more. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, because like, as someone who has them, like, I can't even really give an articulate answer to it because it really is such a, a diverse set of things that people experience. And even in my own kind of 
migraine journey, if you will, like they, every single one is different, like different triggers bring them on. Like some people it's chocolate or wine or cheese. Like there's different things that people have that are food related, hormonal Mm -hmm. triggers. Mine are actually related to the weather in many instances. No way. I'm like a human barometer. So if there, you know, I live in St. Louis, Missouri, where the weather changes on a dime and usually the first like super hot and humid day of the year, I will get a migraine kind of without fail. So when the pressure changes, like barometric pressure changes swiftly, like if a storm is rolling in, that's usually a point in time where I like know I need to kind of do some of my preventative measures or just kind of like take extra care. So when it's weather, you can't control it, right? Like you can't right. not be in the weather, like you could right. avoid wine, but I have to be in the world in the weather. Right. So, um, but lots of different triggers or sometimes like for me, it could be stress. It could be just like not taking care of myself or it could just be nothing at all. Nothing at all. That's the worst when you're like, you have a flare up of any kind with a chronic illness and and you kind of think to yourself, but I did everything right. And it's yeah. like, that happens. It, you can be doing everything quote unquote right and still get totally knocked out by an episode of something. For sure. I heard you talk about like the hand numbing and tingling and the aura that you get and the sensitivity to light and the hangover, post hangover effect. Mm-hmm. What else like is your migraine or ha- I also heard you say it's different a lot of the times or every time. So what other kinds of things have you experienced? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so like, even just thinking about what I'm about to say out loud, I'm like, this is really like a wild set of things. So like a few (laughs) things kind of spring to mind. Like I can't regulate my temperature. Like I'm either really hot or really cold at different iterations of these migraines. Like it's, it's almost like I can't find like a comfortable temperature. Okay. So like sometimes it'd be a hundred degrees outside and I'm under my electric blanket blanket because I'm freezing with these things because it's just, I don't know what it is. It's like, just like your body is just like confused in the sort of hangover phase, something that's been really interesting. And I've, I've read about this, but like, it's almost like I've had like bouts of like, I deal with anxiety as well. And I've had bouts of depression and stuff, but it's almost like a instant, like mood swing kind of situation. So like, like your anxiety gets heightened in that. Or like, it's, it's almost like, there's been times where like, I just found myself like crying uncontrollably over like literally nothing, like nothing had happened. And I just felt this, like, it was like, my body was just like, it's time for us to cry now. It's like this, I don't know what the cause is. I don't know if anybody does, but like really strong kind of like emotional releases or just like a feeling of being very up and down that I don't normally experience it goes to why maybe I've heard other folks talk about experience with migraines and and people like healthcare providers not taking it seriously because it really is this like grab bag of symptoms like pinpoint and like treat with drugs, for example, like it's so easy fix to these things that are all kind of like, again, nebulous, kind of hard to pinpoint or define. Don't happen every time. Don't happen to every person. Yeah. It makes it hard to study because it's not this consistent experience. I keep thinking about what you said about like your body just being confused and and some of the things you were describing. Yeah. Like it just sounds like your body for whatever reason, like totally loses its equilibrium mm-hmm. and yeah. for some amount of time. And then like recovery from that or coming back to a normality from that sounds like your body's kind of like recovering from that trauma almost of being like, wait, what is happening? We don't, we just lost our equilibrium for however long. And now we have to recover from that. A hundred percent. And the other thing I was kind of reflecting on what I want to share in this conversation. And I think another piece for me is because they do come on out of nowhere, right? Like mm-hmm. we'll have plans or like, I'll be ready to go like do something fun with friends. And it'd be like, Oh no, wait, you can't like, you're, you're about to be like 
on the couch for a few days and there's no predicting. So sometimes I feel guilty or like a flaky friend or that like I not holding up my commitments to the people I love and care about or like having to not do things that I want to do. And so that creates another kind of element of it where it's like, there's some guilt, there's some shame, there's some like just being sad about missing out on certain things sometimes. And so it really is kind of like this physical experience, but it's also an emotional one too, because you can't really predict. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's probably true of a lot of folks with chronic illness that like, you have to take care of yourself. And like, there are certain times where like you physically can't do the things you want to do. And I think that emotional side is, is a piece of it as well. You're so right. I mean, I think, first of all, our society just does not handle chronic illness well. We really don't know how to deal with someone who doesn't get better. Mm-hmm. Like we expect people to get sick and then feel better. And we don't, in my opinion, we really don't know what to do when that's not the case. But I think to a degree, people do understand that chronic illnesses, uh, any chronic illness really, include like a recurring physical issue or pain or challenge. But I think you're right. And it's incredibly important that we don't really talk as much about the emotional side and that feeling of like guilt and like you're not holding up your end of a friendship or a partnership or a family commitment or like the kind of like grief you talked about of like, hey, I was supposed to do this thing. Like I I thought my life was going to look this way. And it's either for a day or for a month or for years and years, it doesn't look that way. Like it's a really deeply emotional experience to have something chronic. And especially when the flare-ups or the episodes are not predictable, Mm -hmm. it sounds really, really difficult. Yeah. And I think the other thing I would add to it is the person who does this kind of most with me is, is my mom. And I've tried to kind of gently explain to her that what I'm about to say kind of is not how I want to like go through the world. But like when you have to have those conversations with people around you, whether it's like your friends or a boss or a partner, or whoever family, then it kind of like reinforces this narrative that you're sick or that you're ill or that. And some people like that very much is the case. And like, it's kind of like, maybe you're dealing with like a longer term chronic illness. Right. But like, for me, my mom kind of identifies me as sick Mm. and she constantly kind of asks about it. And I appreciate the care, but like, I don't want to identify as a person who is sick or like a sick person. And it's kind of this thing where like, if that's how you're having to sort of show up at times and be honest about what's going on, like it kind of reinforces a narrative that like you may or may not want, or you may or not prescribe to. Or identify with. Yeah. I don't want to identify myself as, as sick, even though I have this, this condition or I, I deal with this issue. It's not my identity. It's so interesting that you say that because literally yesterday I was talking to my partner and we were talking to a, a therapist, our couples therapist, and we were having sort of a very similar conversation. Like I have had a chronic illness for, you know, 15 plus years. And I just had a sur- a second surgery two months ago or something. And it's so interesting because it's similarly like, I don't want to be identified as a quote unquote sick person. But like, what does that even mean? Yeah. I don't know. Like I was trying to explain that like people who don't have a chronic illness sometimes are tired and need to cancel plans or take a nap or... It's so tricky because it's like you both want the ability to take care of yourself when you need to. And you want to be able to talk about that with people. I think talking about it is one of the hardest things for a lot of people. And so when you open up about it and you start sharing, then that sort of switch can happen when where people start thinking of, of you as a sick person. And it's like, mm-hmm. why can't I just be a person who sometimes I feel fine, sometimes I don't, Sometimes I'm not going to cancel plans. Sometimes I will need to. It's just such a hard 
balance beam where you're like, you both want the grace and the empathy when things do come up that you need to deal with. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to just be looked at through that lens. A hundred percent. And I think as you were talking, Katie, one of the things that kind of occurred to me, and I've, I've thought of this before is for me, I'm a boundary queen. Like <laughs> I, I love a boundary. I think boundaries are important. I think too often people don't really consider what their boundaries are, even with the people closest to them. And I think it's actually a really healthy thing. And so for me, with my migraines, I think one of the kind of silver linings and and kind of a superpower that I think I've cultivated from it is I know what I need to do to stay, to feel good, right? Like to make sure that I'm taking care of myself. And I think some of the, like some of it's like very foundational, like it's getting enough water. Like I drink a gallon of water a day. Mm -hmm. It's like keeping my stress at bay. Like I meditate, I do all these things because I know that if I don't, like a migraine is very much on the other side of that. And so right. I, I get enough sleep, like I rest. And so what that looks like in practice is I know I can't over schedule myself. Like maybe right. there was a time when I was in my twenties or whatever, running around that like I could have something every night and stay out late or whatever, but I know that's not the case. And so it's a healthy boundary for me to know, like my body is telling me, and it's almost like the symbiotic relationship, right? Like I, I almost feel like it's like this thing inside me that like, it's like a little like creature or something. I sometimes imagine it as like, I've learned to live with this like little pet maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it's like telling me like, okay, we stayed up a little too late last night. Like we got to go to bed. And it's almost like the things that I think just being a human in the world, like we were talking about earlier, like sometimes that's just really hard on its face. Yeah. But I feel like this, the migraines that I get really make that front and center for me. And I'm able to make sure I rest and carve out that time. And for people who maybe don't understand that for themselves, like I can almost use migraine as Mm. I've got to like take care of this. Like, and you kind of use it strategically, Mm -hmm. but you still don't want it to be your identity. Right. Right. I think, yeah, that's super interesting. And I feel like the challenge with a lot of people with chronic illness and like what I work with people on is the wild swinging back and forth between, okay, I, I have this chronic illness. I have to take care of myself. I have to focus on it. And then the like, well, I want to go out every night and I want to, you know, like I wish my body didn't have to deal with this. So I'm going to act for a while like it doesn't have to, but then I'm going to rebound and feel the the repercussions of that. So it's really doing what you're talking about and like bringing that into balance, whatever that looks like for each individual person. And it sounds like over the years, you have sort of found a really good balance that you know, for the most part works for you, can help prevent some migraines. And then of course, also, this is still a chronic condition. So you're going to have to deal with these episodes, however often, but like, it sounds like you've come up with a really good way of integration, honestly, like integrating this chronic illness that is just a fact into your life and finding that balance, which is, again, like, that's my, that's my whole thing. (laughs) That's what you're out to help people do. And I, and I think it's, it's amazing. And it, it just, it's not an easy thing to do. And even with those foundational routines and behaviors and that integration, like over the summer, I got a case of bronchitis that just mm-hmm. would not go away. I had bronchitis for like two months. Ugh. And like with that, I was like coughing and like I couldn't like sleep well. So then I was also getting like migraine symptoms mm. on top of that. And so it was just like, gosh, like can I catch a break? And it was just like kind of this ball of stuff. And and I also ended up like with some GI issues because of mm-hmm. like steroids and like taking migraine meds and all these things. So it was just kind of like compounding. And it was still like, I was trying to do those foundational things. I was trying to like integrate everything I had learned. And like, I think that it's also a mindset, right? Like you have to give yourself grace and give yourself empathy, like you would for a friend. Yeah. I kind of kept feeling like I was a failure for not being able to, to nip these things. And I think I was able to bounce back, but that's a mindset that I've cultivated for however many years. 
that I've had these, you know, like you just kind of have to learn to think of it a little differently. Well, that's the thing too. It's like, even when you feel like you've found the balance, it's not just like a check, like, like, sweet, I did that. Now I don't have to think about it anymore. It's a constantly evolving process, right? Like, to your point, you might get bronchitis, and then you're sick, and then you have to and then it totally changes the equation, right? Like something outside of you that you can't control comes in and you have to recalibrate what your balance looks like because of that outside thing. And that can be really hard. And I think a lot of times, I know for myself and a lot of the other people I've talked to, it's really hard to communicate about that. I was just talking to yesterday, same people (laughs) about that. Understandably, my partner, after having been here with me for many, many years of my own illness and the unpredictability of my flare-ups, like you were you were saying that you also experienced was like, I just want to know at any given point, like how you're doing, like what we're going to be able to do and all this stuff. And I was like, I can't give you that. I am myself constantly having to recalibrate. And so it's so hard to then like translate that for somebody else's brain and mind. Yeah. And especially for I think your partner might be like this. I know my dear sweet husband, Josh, he is a planner by nature. He is a journalist. He is a producer and they love to have a plan. Like, (laughs) like he is like the time police. Like if we are going somewhere, he makes sure we're there 10 minutes early. Like he loves to have a plan. And I think to your point, it's hard to like help someone understand what it's like when you don't even know fully what's right. going on or what that day is going to bring. And so he's been really great and generous in so many ways of saying like, it's okay. We don't have to do that thing. Or like, we're fine to do things, you know, separately or whatever. And that's, that's happened a lot too, where he's gone to do the thing and I'm fine with it. Like, I don't want to hold him back, but it is hard when you don't even know what's happening in your body to then describe it to someone else and help them understand like what life is going to look like. It's just not possible. And I think that like, that's part of being a human, right? Like I think some of these things that we're talking about related to chronic illness, I think in some ways it makes you almost like more in touch with your humanity because the reality is like, no one can really like translate (laughs) what's in their brain or you can't predict tomorrow, like chronic illness, illness or not like, that's true of anybody. And I think it's just this lens that you and I have and so many others have, Katie, that it just helps you think about it in a different way. And it's more front and center. But like, that's the reality for everyone, I think. That's so funny and so true and such a like beautiful sentiment. It's just, amongst many other things, a heightened way to be in touch with your humanity. I love that saying. I'm, I'm like writing that in my heart right now. because yeah like no matter who you are you you can't make someone else understand your experience right like we can all do the best we can to communicate and to try to help people get it but at the end of the day (laughs) it's not really possible and chronic illness just is a way that it makes having to navigate that challenge like just a lot more present and a lot more high stakes also sometimes. Yeah. That's really true. I was just thinking like everyone has preferences or or ways that they would like want to to interact and show up in the world or like just things that they like or don't like. Like everyone's got that. And I think with chronic illness, it's not just a matter of like, oh, I like this better than that. It's like, no, I, this is what I need to be okay. Yeah. Right. And I think the folks on the other side, maybe people like we interact with or like who don't understand, like that's a choice on their end too, to like understand or have empathy or like how they choose to kind of respond and react to those things. And I'm grateful that like, I've never had really an issue. Like I've always been very above board with this, with like employers and like friends or if it's the reason I can't show up for something, like I say that, like I don't yeah. like gloss over it. I'm like, I have a migraine, I can't. Yeah, it is what it is. And I think that some of that is, again, there's a choice on the other side to try to understand and have empathy too. For sure. And I think it's a choice on our side of the equation to 
put in that effort, like on the one hand, it's a lot easier to just say like, well, I have a migraine or I'm having an endo flare, I'm in pain, whatever. It kind of becomes a shorthand for us in order to explain why something is the way it is, right? But until you get to that point, it's a lot of work. Like sharing with people, helping them understand what it is that you're talking about, like helping them like getting to the point where they can say, oh yeah, Shannon has a migraine. I to- like, she just has a migraine today. It's no big deal. It's yeah. nothing to do with me. She just can't make it today, right? Like that's the goal. But helping them get to that place is a lot of upfront like investment on our part, I think. Yeah. And especially if it's something where endo, like people don't really understand what that is until they are confronted with it or like migraines too. It's like, it's more than yeah. just a bad headache. Like it's, you almost need like, if you're the first person that they've ever interacted with that has that thing. Yeah. There is, there is some burden of education or whatever you want to call it. I don't think it's a burden necessarily mm-hmm. is a super helpful way to kind of even just enter into the conversation. Yeah. It's interesting because I like that you said, you know, it's not really a burden to depending. It's not really a burden to share. Yeah. Right. yeah depends on Depends on the audience, right? <laughs> I do think it depends, yeah, on the audience and also on the illness and on the sort of degree of severity and how private that feels to you, to every individual, all that stuff. Like I have definitely been in a place in our former workplace, we used to work together. I felt comfortable sharing some stuff with some people, but I didn't feel comfortable sharing like with HR, for example. Yeah. So on the one hand, it can be really scary to open up and to share. And it's really hard to know how to do that. And to your point, on the other hand, I feel like it's so much better once you figure out how to do that in a way that you're comfortable with and that you feel like okay about. It's so much better to be able to have that shorthand, to be able to say like, hey, yeah, I don't want these fluorescent lights. Like, than just continuing to like hide it within yourself and then try to figure out ways to make excuses or oh work around this thing that you're dealing with so people don't know. I think yeah. that in the long run that that's a lot more difficult and a lot more isolating. Yeah. And I think something something else that's coming to mind as you were sharing Katie like especially about like our our former workplace as well like I think it's interesting that I know you're your endo, like that is a, a gendered condition. Yeah. Like migraines, like women tend to suffer from migraines more than men do. There's like a gendered component and like to have to sort of share what you're going through. Like there's a vulnerability there. And I yes. think in the workplace, like it's something that I think, I personally think it's it's a superpower. Like I think being vulnerable at the right times and moments is such an amazing thing and, and a gift to be able to do. But yeah. I think as as women, like we're often fighting against that in like the workplace, especially. And so then to have like a chronic illness that's also like specific to women or something, or like that more affects women, like it's just such an interesting dynamic to figure out like how and when you share and who you share it with and like to what extent you share. And then like mm-hmm. if you're too cagey, then people don't take it seriously. Or if you overshare that you're like the person who does TMI, like it's such a balance and it adds like this other component of labor to yeah. already laboring to like get through the day sometimes and, and just and be okay. Yeah. Just to be okay. And I think it's just having something like this is just, it makes you have like radical empathy, like mm-hmm. for, for others. And I, I think that can be a really beautiful thing. It doesn't make it easier, but I think it's a, kind of a nice gift. Uh, byproduct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, byproduct, a consequence. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that the dynamic, especially in the workplace that you're talking about, especially with women, especially with illnesses that are more sort of categorized as as affecting women is so interesting and so true. You know, I remember where we used to work at one point, I was working from home so often that my boss at the time was like, yeah, we're really going to need a doctor's note. And I think I just burst out crying because I was like, I'm already so, I'm in so much pain. 
like, really? Like, I'm doing my job. I'm good at my job. Like, why? Why do you need a doctor's note? But then I came in like the next week with a doctor's note and just like slapped it on the table and I never heard anything ever again about it. What was the reason? Like, why? And our job was facing people all over the country, right? Like, did it matter that you were like in that? And I think that's, that's a whole other can of worms to discuss, but it's like, you had to do that extra like hoop, jump through that extra hoop for what purpose? Just, and I get that there's policy and procedure, but there's also like a humanity and an empathy that it's like, did that really need to happen in that way? Well, and I think at that, you know, it's funny, like reflecting back, I think at that point, evidenced by my bursting into tears, (laughs) I wasn't ready to share. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think another aspect of the openness and communication sort of challenge is like, you want to share when you're ready to share. Like there's not only like the who much to whom and how much and like, but it's also like the when and when do you feel like, hey, I'm taking this in my hands and, and now I'm sharing with people. Like now I talk about the fact that I have endo, I hope not to an annoying degree, but like I'm very upfront about it mm-hmm. because I feel like it's actually taking that into my own hands and like it becoming yeah. like I'm taking that power. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I feel like if I can do that, then I'm sort of like positioning myself in a different way than if I, if I kind of like what I used to do, hide it and try to tamp it down and try to, you know, like minimize the reality of it. Mm-hmm. And like, Katie, like you said it kind of early, you, like you didn't know I kind of dealt with migraines. And I think in our time as friends, however long that's been now, I can't even like what? Like a decade? Math. Yeah, like over a decade. <laughs> I didn't know for a long time you were going through what you were going through and and it just i think to be in like true authentic relationship with people like you do need to figure out who are those people that you can share with and like really be open about it with and i think for me like authenticity is such a core value of mine and i the idea that i would i would have to like hide and calculate like i'm i try to be an open book right like i mean with <laughs> reason, but like, it's exhausting to kind of hide part of who you are. And I think being upfront about things like it, I feel like is so, I always find like when you've had something that you haven't shared and you do finally share it and people are like, Oh my God, like I've experienced the same thing, or I feel the same thing, or like, this is my version of that. Like, it's so freeing. And I keep, Mm. there's, I'm not in recovery, like from, from addiction or anything, but I know that there's a saying that like, you're only as sick as your secrets. Oh, and interesting. it's almost like to the extent you like hide that, like, are you doing yourself a disservice by not sharing that? Because it helps people understand you and helps people understand where you're coming from. And like, you can be in closer connection or more authentic relationships with people if you kind of like share that in some way, but it's sometimes it is hard to know, like who are those safe people and, and yeah. what's too much and, and that kind of thing. And I don't think it's an all or nothing, but that kind of dance is, is an interesting one to kind of always be engaged in. Yeah. I think that's a really beautiful sentiment though, of like, if you are sharing, if you can not hide that part of yourself, you're really being more authentic and I think the instinct of like, no, I want to protect myself and that's why I'm, I'm trying to hide it is actually making often is a, actually has the sort of result of making you feel more, more vulnerable in the long run. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, I mentioned, I said, I think I used the word labor. Like if you have a chronic illness and like, we, we both know like rest and like re- recuperation, like really kind of powering down, like if you're adding another component of work or like just effort, like you're not doing yourself any favors. And so where you can put that down, I think can be really helpful. That's so true. And then there's also the factor of like, sometimes you're just to your point earlier, trying to get through the day and you, and you don't have that extra energy to give. So it's all about figuring out, like you said, who are those people you can trust? When is the right time for you to be able to sort of have that extra bit of energy or a bit of ability to share with them because it is an emotional effort. And then 
yeah, putting, I like that putting down that burden, maybe with just that one person that one day. Yeah. 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 So how has the medical aspect of your migraines been? I heard you say earlier that like a lot of doctors haven't really taken you seriously. Is that something you still try to pursue or what, what do you do in that sense? Yeah. So when actually when I was living in DC, I was seeing sort of a like membership boutique kind of model primary care doctor and and was going in for like my first physical with that provider. And they take the family history and I shared that I had migraines and like you share kind of what your parents have and things. And I had to, at that point, share that my dad had died of a brain tumor. And I kind of, because humor is a deflector and a, and a mm-hmm. kind of crutch sometimes, I, I kind of said something around like, I get these migraines and maybe it's that. And the doctor kind of stopped. And she was like, have you ever had like an MRI? Have you ever mm-hmm. had any of these things that would like rule that out? And I was like, no. And she was like, the first thing she did was send me for an MRI because she said, if anything, you should know that it's not this. It's not a brain tumor, right? right? And I was so grateful and that stuck with me forever because she was the first one to like kind of stop and and say like, let's just like for your peace of mind, knock that off the list of things. But like, let's also like get into this. So I did see a neurologist. I did kind of, you know, I tried some prescriptions and things that actually just like made me sick. And like, Mm. I don't want to be on like a prescription medication daily forever if I can avoid it. So like, I, I haven't really pursued a more traditional medicine sort of route. So currently what I do, I have seen a chiropractor pretty Mm -hmm. regularly for probably the last, I don't know, like eight or nine years. And I have a great one now and the adjustments really do help. I do acupuncture Mm -hmm. and that's really more, I've discovered that has been really helpful for like anxiety and depression, which I do know like contribute to my migraines. And Mm -hmm. so from like a provider standpoint, that's really where I'm, where I'm at now is just my chiropractor and acupuncturist are in the same practice. And so I rely on them. That's awesome. But yeah, from, from a care perspective, like I need to find a primary care doctor at the moment, but I'm not really holding my breath that like traditional Western medicine and like the normal kind of modalities are going to be the thing for me because they just kind of want to give you pills yeah, and call it a day. And I don't really want to do that. Yeah. Well, and to your earlier point, when medicine and, and the field of research isn't really even clear about the different kinds of migraines right. that exist and what triggers them for different people, then of course, Western medicine is not going to be a one and done, like here's this pill for everybody who experiences migraines. So I think it's great that you found a combination of of practitioners who you feel like really help you. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, you know, I do think like I take magnesium because there's some kind of evidence that that helps. I try to like eat while I stay hydrated. Like I keep liquid IV on hand has been a lifesaver. <laughs> but truly, like if I feel sort of like the twinge of a migraine, I'll like down a liquid IV or like a nice. you know Gatorade or something like yeah, that. Yeah. So like you kind of have like your your little kit of things that help. But I've also found that like if I am having like a, a migraine flare up or attack or whatever you want to call it, like not a whole heck of a lot helps. Like it's yeah. just really time. And I think having that grace to give yourself like your body knows what it needs. I think on some elemental, like mysterious level, like, so just kind of giving it time I found, you know, and just like really having that mindset of like, I can, like my body is going to get through this. I know that probably for others with chronic illness, that might not always be the case, but like, I think trusting your body to like tell you and give you those signals, but then also that it's going to bring you through the Mm -hmm. episode. I think even that just that mindset has been helpful. I think that sort of like giving yourself grace piece is so important because even if it's not true for some people with chronic illness that their body will feel better at some point, right? Like, I mean, usually it's it's not like every single day you're you're in agony, but 
different manifestations of different diseases for different people. It can look so different, but no matter what it looks like physically and what your body's doing, that mindset of like, okay, (laughs) I am doing everything I need to do to try to take care of myself right now. And that's all I can do. And like, not feeling like you should be doing something different or more, or you're not doing enough, or it's your fault. Like, I think that's so, so, so important. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, that's a, to me, that mindset is, is a game changer because it also helps like kind of being like, I kind of mentioned like being in like that symbiotic relationship with it. Like yeah, it is the signal for me in certain respects, like you need to slow down, you need to manage mm-hmm. your stress, you need to not get spun up over things that don't ultimately matter. Like those kinds of things that like are hard to do again, as a human in the world, I have this like built-in warning system or this like backstop for it in a way. And before it gets too deep and entrenched, my body's going to be like, no, ma'am, like we we got to cut it out. We got to slow down. And it's a good way to sort of recalibrate and -hmm. do the things you should do or like that are healthier anyway. So in a way I'm a little, I'm grateful, you know, to kind of have this like built-in alarm system, (laughs) Um, (laughs) however inconvenient it might be at times. But I do think it makes me kind of more mindful of how I treat my body and, and just different things you do daily to take care of yourself. What's something that you either wish you had known? Like, it seems like you're in a really good place in terms of being balanced and knowing how to sort of prevent as much as you can and then take care of yourself when you can't prevent it. What's something you either wish you had known like early on in this experience or would want? others to know? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I think for me, it's really gotten to a point of it's not good or bad. It Mm -hmm. just is. And it's, it's something like, you know, I've kind of said, like it helps you cultivate a sense of empathy. It helps you realize that everyone has something, whether they're open about it or not. So it's just a, I wish I would have like had that perspective before that like it's not a detriment you're not broken you're not put together wrong it actually enhances your life in interesting and meaningful ways and having that mindset helps it not be as you use the word traumatic or like it's not as traumatic when it happens because it sucks in the moment. Like, don't get me wrong. And I I feel terrible. And I, you know, there's all these things that come about it and it's not all daisies. Right. It's not like you're laying there in the midst of an episode and being like, I'm so lucky. (laughs) Like, I think with age and just having dealt with this for like most of my life, having that perspective, I think has been really meaningful. And I think also like going back to kind of like providers and things like, I think you kind of grow up and you go to the pediatrician and you get your sucker, whatever. And it, you kind of think, Oh, doctors have the answers. And like the reality is that's not the case for a lot of things. And so being able to find things that work for you and not feel like this should work for me Mm -hmm. or like this has to work for me. Like if something doesn't work, like, like I said, I worked with a neurologist a long time ago, but like she was giving me samples of prescription meds that were abortives. Like, so if you were feeling a migraine, it would, it would get rid of it or ones mm-hmm. that were, were like more of a daily thing. Mm-hmm. And they all made me feel pretty crappy. Like I would mm-hmm. get nausea. Like I just felt gross on them. And I was like, this isn't going to work for me. And I haven't really gone back to that, but I don't feel like I've had the need to. So recognizing that you're going to find what works for you and you might just have to think out of the box. You might have to find a great coach, Katie. <laughs> Thanks for that. (laughs) You might have to just figure out, like for me, like this is so dumb, but like a particular flavor of liquid IV is better than a different flavor of liquid IV. Like who knew? But like, you just have to do trial and error, but like take it into your own hands and and really be your own advocate. Like you don't have to do what what a doctor is telling you just because they're a doctor. Like there's stuff out there that's going to work for you and you're going to be the best judge of that. Yeah. So those would be the things I would say, like, kind of, I wish I knew sooner or like would tell someone else that it's about you and and the journey you're on. And 
I do think that this heightens just, you know, the ability to have empathy and just kind of have boundaries and be able to be vulnerable when it's, when it makes sense. I think those are really beautiful things. Yeah. I really love everything you said. I think especially the sort of like find your own pieces of the puzzle that, that are going to be right for you because it's going to be different than the next person and the next person and your best friend. And like, it might look similar elements might look the same, but it, it's not going to be the same as anybody else. And I think that's really, really important. And then also I love the, not only like thinking about and being conscious of what having a chronic disease or illness can bring to you in a beneficial way, but having that sort of underlying, like, this is neither good nor bad. This isn't evil. It's not, mm-hmm. it, it just is. Uh, having that like sort of underlying neutrality about like, this is a fact of my life, I think actually can sort of help, I don't know, just help you find that balance more easily. Yeah. And it's like, you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't yeah. like anger the gods. to right. You didn't this. cause this, right? You didn't- this like everyone's different, and I think some of these things like they've existed forever, right? We just have the technology and the science and the language to talk about some of these things in different ways. But like, I'm sure people had migraines in the caveman era. Like, <laughs> I'm sure of it. Oh, I'm sure of it. And so it's just having the perspective of being able to name it and label it in these different ways. But like it's nothing you did. It's not your fault. It just is. And I think, I think some of that for me has come from like meditating and have a, a, Mm -hmm. having a practice of meditation and just kind of being in the moment. But I think we're, we're all just trying to get through the day, right? Like we're all just, what's the saying? Like you're all just trying to walk each other home, um, chronic illness or not. Yeah. I love that. This is such a great conversation, Shannon. Thanks so much for having it with me. Yeah. Thanks, Katie. I I really love being on this. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love you so much and I will talk to you later. Sounds good. Bye. Hey, I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Shannon. It was so fun for me to talk to a good friend about something that we actually haven't talked that much about together in the past. I hope you guys found something interesting and something to connect to. If you're interested in learning more about me or about coaching, you can find me at www.reviveandthrivecoach.com or you can email me at katie at reviveandthrivecoach.com or you can find me on Instagram at reviveandthrivecoaching. See you next time.